Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Propaganda Watch. I'm your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And this week, I would like to turn back to what we were discussing last week for an update on the subject that I think exposes something valuable about one of the underlying most important messages that I wish to convey with this entire Propaganda Watch series, namely the observation that the most important real estate on the planet is the space between your ears. What is happening in your mind, your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions, and your perceptions are incredibly important to those who wish to seek to control society because, of course, your ideas, your thoughts, your opinions, your perceptions will influence your behaviors, your actions, what you will and will not put up with, which is why so much time, effort, and energy, let alone monetary resources, are devoted to propagandizing the public, to make them believe certain things. On that very note, you will remember that last week we were examining that story about the Canadian military running the fake news about wolves and the PSYOP campaign that that was one part of, where, as I noted in that propaganda watch with uh, Dan Dix of PressForTruth.ca, I noted that the Canadian military is openly declaring the Canadian public to be the enemy. So if you do not remember that story, you can go back at the Corbett Report, The Canadian Military Declares War on Canadians, Propaganda Watch. Of course, that will be linked up in the show notes in case you haven't seen that already. But I found it extremely interesting to note that at almost the precise same moment that I was publishing that edition of Propaganda Watch, there was an update being published at the Ottawa Citizen by David Pugliesi, the same journalist who has been reporting on this story for the last couple of months. He had this story up. Canadians shouldn't be viewed as targets. Military initiative to aim propaganda at public is shut down, which goes on to note that National Defense has shut down a controversial plan that would have allowed military public affairs officers to use propaganda to change attitudes and behaviors of Canadians, as well as collect and analyze information from the public's social media accounts. And it goes on to note that Lori Ann Kempton, the Assistant Deputy Minister for Public Affairs, announced in an email to staff that the initiative to enhance the duties of public affairs officers to include influence activities and information operations was being shut down. Canadians must have absolute confidence in knowing that we completely understand our role in informing the public space of our initiatives and activities, she noted. They must know that they are not targets. So there you go, straight from the horse's mouth, directly at the almost the exact same moment that I was publishing my statement that the Canadian military has just declared you the enemy, you are the target. Well, they come out and say, don't worry, guys. Uh, th that was just, uh, th we're, we're abandoning that. You're no longer the target. We're, sh we're shutting that down. Now, whatever you may think about the believability of that pronouncement from the Assistant Deputy Minister for Public Affairs, at any rate, I think it exposes uh, an exceptionally important part of, if not propaganda itself, at least a buttress or a stra stratagem that is used to uh, ease the public into a propaganda campaign, and that is the stratagem of the trial balloon, which I have referenced before from time to time, but I don't believe I've ever gone into it specifically as a stratagem of propaganda that's employed by the propagandists, so let's do that here. And what I mean by trial balloon is the floating of an idea at a distance or in a way that can be easily denounced or disowned 
just to see and gauge the public reaction, because it is a corollary of the observation that the most important space that is uh, imaginable is the space between our brains, uh, between our ears, the space, the gray matter, which uh, influences our behaviors or directly controls our behaviors. Well, a corollary of that observation is that, of course, a great amount of time and energy and effort is, uh, is spent in scrutinizing our thoughts, our ideas, our opinions, all these opinion polls that you see on the news, which I have addressed on Propaganda Watch before as a potential vector for propaganda, i.e. all your neighbors think this, trust this poll, all your neighbors think this, therefore you should too, uh, the type of uh, peer pressure, essentially, approach to propaganda. Um, well, there, there is another way in which that, that type of th- uh, study can be used. In fact, real studies of actual uh, general public sentiment can be used to better fine-tune and tailor propaganda campaigns to more effectively roll out certain ideas. So one example of how that can be done is to float a trial balloon and gauge public reaction to that trial balloon. Then you can immediately shoot that balloon down and say, oops, well, we didn't mean to do that. Or, oh, no, we take that back. Or, oh, that was just an idea. Or that was a conspiracy theory. We never thought of that. And you can still have all of that juicy data about how the public reacted to that balloon, which may be the important part of it. And so I have no data to document this. I am not stating this as a matter of fact, but I think we at least must keep the idea as a possibility that this entire revelation of this PSYOP campaign by the Canadian military of releasing the fake news about wolves in order to gauge the public reaction, the fact that that story ended up in the national news in Canada at all may speak to the idea of the Canadian military itself floating a trial balloon. Okay, let's let the public know about this fake wolves campaign and see how they react to it. Uh Uh-oh, they're uh, they're realizing that this means that the Canadian military is essentially declaring war on Canada. We better step back from that brink. Don't worry, guys, the program shut down. Meanwhile, they have all of that data about public reaction from the trial balloon itself. As I say, I don't have any definitive uh, conclusive proof that that is the case here, but it is certainly a possibility about how this entire program got revealed and then shut down publicly in the national newspapers. So let's look at how this technique can be applied more broadly. And let's look at the, of course, overriding concern of the year 2020, namely COVID-19 and the public's reaction to it. And we can get an example of how this trial balloon technique uh, and studying public reaction works by looking at the actual studies of public reaction to various government proposals, let alone mandates. And one example of that comes from PLOS1 from a study that was published in uh, June of 2020 called COVID-19 is rapidly changing examining public perceptions and behaviors in response to this evolving pandemic, where a team of researchers set out to study uh, the attitudes and beliefs of Australian adults towards the COVID-19 pandemic and willingness and capacity to engage with these mitigation measures, uh, the various mitigation strategies that have been proposed to deliver us from this deadly pandemic. And in addition, we aim to explore the psychosocial and demographic factors that are associated with adoption of recommended hygiene-related and avoidance-related behaviors, i.e. let's better understand how these various people think in order to see how best we can tailor the message to make them 
go along with the idea. Uh, and so, of course, they, they did do their research and found, wow, what a revelation. Adopting avoidance behaviors was associated with trust in government and authorities, higher perceived rating of effectiveness of behaviors, higher levels of perceived ability to adopt social distancing strategies, higher trust in government, and higher level of concern if self-isolated. And their interpretation of this research was that in the last two months, members of the public have been inundated with messages about hygiene and social, bracket, physical distancing. <laughs> Remember when they tried to switch social distancing to physical distancing because they realized social distancing has some negative connotations? Well, that didn't go so well, so they still have to refer to it as social distancing. However, our results indicate that a continued focus on supporting community understanding of the rationale for these strategies, as well as instilling community confidence in their ability to adopt or sustain the recommendations is needed. So here we go. Here we have teams of researchers working on what do the public think about these ideas that we're trying to shove down their throat and how can we best tailor these ideas so that more people will adopt them. Now, th again, we don't have to speculate about how this type of research is being used. There is study after study after study, for example, specifically about the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. What are people's perceptions of them? Are they willing to take them? Uh, what are their concerns? How can those concerns best be addressed by say, giving that information out via a different source or addressing this particular concern about side effects, etc. Uh, again, tailoring the message, which is exactly what you would expect, conspiracy or not, completely on the level or not. Still, it needs to be understood that your reaction is being carefully studied so that the, uh, the powers that shouldn't be, the people who presume to rule over us can better tailor their propaganda message to get more of the public to comply with these diktats. Good case in point actually comes from, well, actually an interesting piece that comes from The Spectator uh, talking about Denmark, but it's really talking about Britain. So this is uh, under the headline, Denmark is creating a roadmap for mandatory vaccination. And this article starts by saying, could British residents be forced to have a COVID-19 vaccine? Yesterday, Health Secretary Matt Hancock refused to rule out mandatory inoculation, telling talk radio that the government would have to watch what happens and make judgments accordingly. His comments have sparked questions about how realistic the prospect of mandatory vaccination is in the UK or what restrictions people could face with MP Tom Tuggenhat suggesting that the unvaccinated could be banned from workplaces if they refuse to get inoculated. Do you see what just happened there? A trial balloon was just floated by Health Secretary Matt Hancock. Uh, he would refuse to to rule out the idea of mandatory vaccinations, which broached the conversation. And suddenly you have Parliament discussing this and you have people suggesting, well, maybe you can't go to the workplace unless you get vaccinated. Suddenly this conversation is broached. And at the end of all of this, if there is sufficient pushback from the public, such that there would be mass wide-scale non-compliance, disobedience, nationwide strikes, people out in the streets uh, not refu absolutely refusing to take this shot. If that was the response to this idea, this suggestion, then it could this trial balloon could be shot down and and completely disowned. Oh, we we see we didn't say there was going to be mandatory vaccines. We just said that we weren't ruling it out. Well, we've we've come to the conclusion maybe that's not a good idea. So uh, you better believe the British public's response to this idea is being evaluated and scrutinized quite closely now 
And this is how it rolls. This is how it works. They'll throw out a trial balloon and just say, oh, we were just guessing about that. And then public reaction will dictate whether or not they proceed with the plan. And we see that happening actually in the referent for that particular article, the Denmark epidemic law that's currently, as far as I know, currently being debated in Denmark, uh, where they have language that suggests that the police will be able to uh, assist in forcibly vaccinating people who refuse to receive any mandated vaccine under the new epidemic law that is being debated. And now, I can't confirm this, and so I would love if anyone in the audience from Denmark could confirm or or uh, d- disconfirm the reports that are being circulated online right now that after days of nationwide protest and mass-scale disobedience, uh, the government has backed down and binned the epidemic law. As far as I know, the uh, final decision will be made next month, and that might include the law as envisioned. It might be revised. It might be scrapped altogether, but I I don't know if any decision has been taken on that yet. I have not seen anything definitive in black and white from any official source stating that one way or another, so if anyone could confirm that, that would be great. But if so, that is, again, of course, a demonstration of the fact that when people mass- mass scale, widely refuse to comply, will not back down on a given topic, they can easily just say, oh, okay, we're scrapping that law. Oh, don't worry. That was just a proposal. Oh, that was that was just a trial balloon. We're going to shoot it down and you don't have to think about it anymore. So yes, again, your reaction, your, your thoughts, your opinions are gr- of great consequence to would-be leaders of society. And that's why trial balloons are floated to see how the public will react. So that does imply certain things about our reactions to various stories that come out. Whether we're going to say no, or hell no, or eh, maybe, or hey, that could be a good idea, could influence how those ideas will or will not be enacted in law. And that's an important lesson for us as we go into this. And I think there are a number of examples that one could point to of trial balloons that are being floated right now or have been floated in the past. I have my own ideas of some of them, um, but I'd like to hear yours. What what are examples of this? Not necessarily about COVID-19 or what's taking place right now, although it may be, but from your locality, can you think of any examples of politicians floating trial balloons only to shoot them down when there seems to be public resistance or to go ahead with them when suddenly it seems like the public is willing to accept it? And what does that imply about our strategies? Either to very vocally say, no, we will not allow, say, the Canadian military to target Canadians as enemy targets in information campaigns until they back it down from that position, or to, or to pr- pretend to go along with certain ideas so that they do forward them, so that then we can non-comply and uh, force the issue rather than having it kick the can kick down the road. There are a lot of strategic uh, things to, to consider here, but at the very least, the first order of things is to identify that trial balloons exist and they are floated from time to time in order to gauge public reaction. As I say, I'll have a, lo- a lot of links in the show notes, not just to what we've uh, taken a look at here, but to other studies of public reaction and uh, uh, opinions related to the vaccine issue that I think give some more insight into this idea and how strategies are being crafted right now based on public perception in order to proceed or 
not proceed with various agendas, specifically in that case with regards to the vaccine. But as I say, this applies much more broadly. So as I say, I'd like to hear your insights and your observations about this trial balloon stratagem, this tactic for buttressing and uh, forwarding propaganda uh, in a way that can be easily disowned. I'd like to hear your examples of that from your own localities. Uh, Of course, as always, Corbett Report members are invited and exhorted to log into CorbettReport.com and leave your comments in the comment section there. I think we'll probably have more to say about this idea and how it is employed in the future. Um, But I'm glad we got it on record today. That's going to do it for today. But of course, I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Looking forward to talking to you again in the very near future.